Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. I, uh, I want to communicate a vision today to you. A vision of, of a church. We've been first of all, we're looking at Acts chapter two, verses forty-two to forty-seven, and we're looking at the marks of an empowered church, a church that impacts the world. And last week we looked at it was a church of that really is in the Word of God, a church that where they where not just that they say they believe the Word of God, but where the people really believe the Word of God and they're applying it to their lives. This week we're going to look at the next mark, and it's, it's, it's a community of devotion. And, and as I was thinking about this message, as I'm thinking even about it now, is I want you to grasp the reality of what God is calling us to be. I want you to grasp the kind of church He wants us to be, because here's what I'm finding, and maybe this is true for you, but here's what I'm finding. People are desperate for something real. They're tired of just same old, same old church. Come in, doing the same old things, and just hearing somebody talk at them, you know, and, and putting on airs. And You know, one of the things I've heard recently that I, I didn't understand until I, I, I heard people say, well, I can't afford to go to church. What does that mean? And How many of you have heard somebody say something like that? Okay. I can't afford to go to church. You know what? I realized what that meant. They couldn't afford to dress up. Because nobody dresses up normally in every, their everyday part of life. Or they can't afford to give or whatever. And so in, in their terms, they think of church is going to cost them something financially. Boy, have we slipped if people are thinking that about church. Is that not true? And people are looking for something so much more. They're looking for a reality. What The reality they're looking for is the reality of Christ in the church, but how churches are towards each other. And what we're going to see today is that first church, that church that came out of Pentecost, one of the things that they were committed to was the term called fellowship. It comes from the Greek word koinonia. And what it means is community. And we're going to talk about the type of community it is here in a moment. But we're going to see that God's heart is so much more than just a meeting house, just a social club, just something social to do on Sunday morning that you can give, you can do or not do. Because today, you know, you can come to church or not come to church. It depends on what the options are for that day. Is it not true? And what you're going to see is it's more than just an attendance thing. There's a lot more to it. And, and my hope is, is that in my feeble attempt in my communication, that God will open your eyes, the Holy Spirit will open your eyes to what He, the vision of a church that could be so much more. That could be so much more. And it's really what our community needs. And not just our community, it's what we need. So let's just look at it. First of all, look at verse 42 of chapter 2. We're going to see their fellowship. And they continued steadfastly. So that, that continued steadfastly is talking about that they had a determined focus, a determined perseverance in several areas. And here's the areas. In the Apostles' Doctrine, we looked at that last week, and fellowship, and in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So today we're going to look at that second one, 
fellowship. So let's talk about their fellowship for a moment before we get to Hebrews and, and go, take it a little bit further and say what fellowship is as it is expressed. The first thing is, is that they were intimately committed to community. The word fellowship there has a whole lot more meaning than what we put into it. So, for instance, our meaning of fellowship is, is we're going to have a service and we're going to have a fellowship afterwards. Now, well, usually when we say fellowship at that point, that means we're going to have food afterwards. You know, that's, that's the big thing. With Fellowship in our circles means what? It begins with an F. That means it's going to have F there, food. But fellowship was so much more than that. Food may have been a part of it. But the reality is that fellowship meant an intimate community, that they were together intimately. It was a close group. Not just coming there and leaving, but that there was an intimacy among them. So they were intimately related to each other. They could walk into a place and say, this is a group of people that cares about me, for me. So, Because so, listen, so oftentimes we go into places... And the attitude is, is that we're accepted there so long as we have something to offer. Is that not true? So long as I have something to give, I'm accepted there. What we're talking about is a community that's intimate, where it's not an issue of what you have to offer, but that you're accepted for who you are and brought in. And really that's what people want, isn't it? Because we, because listen, in our culture today, rejection is big, is it not? I mean, it starts from on, on, you know, we had the little ones leave here. It doesn't happen right now in their age, but as they get older, especially when they get to high school, rejection is a big thing starting in high school, isn't it? And then you're like, man, I can't wait to get out of high school. And then you get into life, and life has its rejections as well, doesn't it? And it doesn't stop. And people want to go to a place where they are accepted for who they are, at intimacy. And this fellowship here is that they were intimately committed to community. They had a commitment to each other. Now here's, now here's the basis for it. The word fellowship also means not just a sharing, not just an intimate commitment. It means that they are centered upon something. And here's what it is. They held a common religious experience. See, it was centered upon a religious experience. Now here's what I want you to understand today. The church after God's heart is a church that holds common Jesus Christ that holds common salvation by faith, that holds common that Jesus Christ died for our salvation. Jesus is the center of the fellowship. Now here's what happens. Too often times today, we get distracted in church and from our purpose and our center of why we are here by so many other things. So for instance, people would like to make politics a reason for coming together. But my friends... You know, even in a group this size, we're not all going to agree on politics. Is that not true? That's not a good reason to have be centered upon. And thankfully, that's not what the church is centered upon is politics. The other thing, church is not centered upon issues. Some people would like to make this issue or that issue the issue for the church. And that it can't be any issue. Some people would like to make social economic status as what is centered. We need to be all of the same type of people who all dress alike, who all act alike. Well, that'd be awfully boring, wouldn't it? But see, what you're going to see in the heart of the church is that's what the heart of the church is. It's not centered on a type of person. It's centered on a person, Jesus. And what holds us together is not who we root for as far as a sports team. It's not going to be who we vote for. It's not going to be how much money we make, whether we're union or, or anti-union. 
What centers us is a common religious experience. What religious experience? A common experience, and that is salvation through Jesus Christ. Period. That's what their fellowship was on. That's what fellowship means. It's an intimate community centered upon salvation, Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And if we have any other criterion, it is not a biblical criterion. And we're wrong. In fact, as I was trying to communicate to you what it is that we need to be and that God is calling us to be the community of devotion that He wants us to be. I was thinking about what passage do I bring them to? And then Hebrews chapter 10 came there. Two verses, verse 24 and 25. So look with me at Hebrews 10. The writer of Hebrews says this. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. These two verses, I think, express what fellowship is, what God's desire is for a church. So we're going to look at several different things here and see exactly what he's talking about, and I think they're very important for you and I. The first one I want you to see is, notice what he says, and let us consider one another. The first thing I want you to see is we talk about fellowship being expressed, as we talk about being the church that God's calling us to be, as we talk about being that community of devotion, that real that everybody is looking for. And we are looking for something real, aren't we? Aren't we? We're looking for a community that's real. And listen, the most common complaint why people leave the church is because nobody cares. But once you listen to that first one, the first thing he tells us here, it requires an understanding of each other. Listen, when it says there, it's, it's, listen to what it's saying. Let us consider one another. Here's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. You and I need to have an understanding of each other. We need to understand where that person is or where they are and what they're going through. It's going to require more than me just giving a judgmental attitude. Because here's what we do. So for instance, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say we have somebody coming in here who's down and out. They're, they're caught in a cycle where they're, they're constantly, they don't know how to handle money, so they're caught in a cycle of moving one from one crisis, financial crisis, to another financial crisis. And they're, they're constantly needing someone to help them. And so the attitude could be real quickly that if you just had a judgmental spirit rather than an understanding spirit, you could look at them and say, well, I'm not going to help them out because they don't know how to handle their money. If they could just learn how to handle their money, they'll be okay. Yeah, that may be true. But what you maybe don't understand is, is there may be a, is a reason why they're caught in a cycle of making bad decisions over and over. And listen, when you're caught in a financial problem, one bad decision always leads to another bad decision, always leads to another bad decision, always leads to another bad decision. And they're in a cycle that they can't break out of. And what they need is someone who is going to understand them, who's going to come alongside of them, and what? Be patient with them help them, recognize that maybe even with the help that they're going to fall, but they need somebody there to what? Help them stand back up and get ready to make another decision. You see what I'm saying? It talks about understanding. And when, it's, when you talk about underdwelling it with understanding with people, number one, the first thing you and I got to set aside are our prejudices. 
The number one thing we've got to set aside are our prejudices. Let me just stop for a moment, because when I say prejudices, I am not just talking about skin color, although it may be skin color. You may be prejudiced, and let me just say, you are prejudiced towards somebody here. I'm not prejudiced against anybody. Just let us hang out with you all week. There'll be somebody. And here's the thing. You got an attitude towards somebody. And if that somebody comes to church, I can almost guarantee you, you're not going to gravitate towards that person. And you're not even going to attempt to understand them because your mind is already made up about them. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have presuppositions. See, when it comes about being a community, when it talks about being a community of that is intimately related to each other, that's, that is centered upon Jesus Christ. Listen to me. The first thing it's going to take is that we learn to understand each other. Because listen, let me explain something. How many of you really know each other here? I mean, really know each other. You know each other's experiences. You know what we have gone, what each person has gone through. You know the traumas in their life. You know the happy times in their life. You know, because here we are. We are a product, are we not, of our what? Our experiences, aren't we? How many of you know how many people here maybe had a terrible childhood? Probably not. How many of you know if anybody's had a terrible week this week? Maybe only a few of you. Maybe some of you don't know because nobody has said anything. See, what's going to take place in an intimate community is that you have got to reach out and begin to understand. Well, you know, the reason why they act that way is because of their experiences. Because nobody has come alongside of them and loved them and shown them. See, listen, the writer of Hebrews is really telling us something here. He's telling us, because what he's telling us here, this first part is foundational. If you want to, you can write that in your, on the side there of this point here. Foundational. This issue of understanding each other is foundational. We have got to get to the place where we understand each other, lay aside our feelings and our presuppositions and our prejudices, and begin to understand where people are at, Because we're not going to be able to do the other things that he tells us to do. Do you understand? You're not going to be able to express fellowship with these other points I'm about to give you unless we have an understanding of each other. Do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to have the understanding. You've got to have the understanding. And listen, it's a big stretch. God is continually telling me and showing me in my life, and I've heard some of you express the same thing, this is where you've got a problem, George. This is your prejudice. This is your attitude. Because listen, it's real easy for me. There are some people I just write off in my mind. There's no way I'm ever going to touch them. There's no way I'm ever going to reach them. Don't we write people off? Don't we? What's that based on? Well, I understand them. No, no. If you don't interact with them, you don't understand them. So here's the point. We requires that we have an understanding of each other. Now here, why does it require an understanding of each other? Because here's the next point. Notice what he says. Let us consider one another in order... Why? We've got to have an understanding of each other for this reason. In order to stir up love. Here's what I'm saying. It arouses mutual love despite our feelings. The word love there is not a brotherly love. It is an all-encompassing love. It is an accepting love. It is where you accept that person in spite of that person. So as I understand... It's going to arouse, and the word arouse there, stir up there, actually means to violently stir up. It means to strongly stir up. It means it's going to to cause an upheaval in my life that's going to result in 
love. Love. In spite of my feelings. Do, do you, ever, you ever consider that when the writer says something like this, this is interesting, I've thought about this, why would he say that, that love covers a multitude of sins? What's our normal reaction to when somebody sins against us? Anybody? Somebody does us wrong, somebody does us dirty, what's our normal reaction? Yeah, revenge. We want revenge. We want to, you do me wrong, baby, next time I'm going to do you wrong. Ain't going to happen to me again. And that's our normal human response to someone who does us wrong. But see, if I dwell with them with understanding, I can get to the place where I can forgive them and recognize, you know, I know you can hurt me again, I recognize that, but I'm still going to love you. See, understanding brings that out. And when you've got a group of people who come together, let's be honest, if we all hung out with each other all the time, I'm sure we would rub each other wrong. Isn't that true? We would. Because, I mean, some, you know, something's going to bother us after a while if we hang out too long with each other. But see, that's the thing, though. How can we, though? How can we hang out with each other? How can we minister to each other? How can we be that community? Is that, number one, we have that understanding, and then that understanding stirs up a love, a mutual love, in spite of our feelings. I'm going to love you in spite of you. That's the issue. See, that's what fellowship is. I'm going to love you in spite of you. Let's go on here. It doesn't just arouse, stir up love. He says one other thing there. Notice what he says, verse 24, in order to stir up love and what? Good works. Here's the other point I want you to see. It arouses works that benefit others. Let me just stop for a moment. This is the problem today with our concept of church. We, let's just say, we're spectators. Our life gravitates around us. And so when we go to something, it's like when we come in here today, okay, George, give me something that I can enjoy and get something out of. And we're spectators. Movie comes out. We're going to get a ticket and go see a movie so that we what? We can enjoy. We're going to watch our TVs so that we can what? Enjoy. We're going to listen to our radios so that we can enjoy. And so everything is geared towards you receiving something. And if you notice, if you don't receive anything, if you don't receive anything, you're going to change the channel. You won't go to that movie again. You won't go to that event or you won't come to church because you're not receiving something. That's what it means to be self-centered. That is the opposite of fellowship. Fellowship at its heart is, as I understand, I love... And out of that love and understanding, I'm going to now do things, I'm going to do works that are going to benefit other people around me. Some of you immediately will say, well, what's that going to cost me? Who are you thinking about when you make that kind of statement? See, it's the exact opposite. See, church is not meant to be spectator. It's meant to be involved. Church. And see, giving is, this is the concept of giving in the New Testament is not in the offering plate. It is to, to anything and everyone around you. So, if we'll give you an example. How well do you know people and understand people in here? We'd have to admit we don't, do we? Because here's the fact. Right here in this room, I don't know who it is, but I'm sure that there's somebody here who's struggling financially. They don't know how they're going to make ends meet. They've got a crisis they've got to deal with. They don't know how to deal with it. They've got this kind of an issue and they don't know how to deal with it. And right here in the room are the very means to take care of it. But if we've reduced our concept of church down to 
coming, sitting, giving, singing, listening, and leaving, what kind of a church is that going to be? Just a normal church in America. But when you think about what God is saying, where people come and understand each other, where people come and they love each other in spite of their feelings, where they look for opportunities to be there for each other so that others benefit. That's what the writer is calling us to do. Isn't that the kind of church you want to go to? Isn't that? How many of you want to go to a church like that? Well, let me just stop for a moment. As you say you want to go to a church like that, it's going to require you to be like that. Because here's the thing. Well, I want to go to a church like that. I hope everybody else starts acting like that. I hope everybody else acts like that because I know I'll benefit. That's a selfish attitude. The attitude now should be, Lord, what can I do? So listen, when you come to church or when you come to a gathering, the issue isn't how can I benefit? The issue is, Lord, who can I be a blessing to today? Who can I be a blessing to today? Who can I help? But let's be honest, do we come with that kind of an attitude? No, we don't. No, we don't. Here's the other thing about Fellowship Express. It is this. It is committed to meeting together. Listen to what he says. The writer of Hebrews says this. This is very interesting. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. What's he saying here? This fellowship that's going to be expressed is not just expressed with understanding that that results in love and, and works that benefit others. It's going to be expressed in a commitment to meet together. Now, here's the problem. Here's why. Here's what's going on here. Because this is true today. You realize church is just one of many options today for people. People don't really see the importance of it because I think people have a wrong concept of church. It's a non-biblical concept of church. Church is just a teaching time. Church is just a singing time where I come, and if I don't get anything, there may be something better today. So during the summer, it might be sports. My kids are involved in sports, so that's my commitment. might be this or that, or this program or that program. might be this gathering or that gathering. And I don't really need to because, really, I don't need to function this week on just a service. Well, here, here's the thing. If that's your concept of church, then I can understand why your commitment level is not where it's at. But see, the concept of church is so much more in the New Testament than just a service. Church isn't just a service. It's not just the building. It's the people. And it's people who dwell together with understanding, who express love, and do things to benefit each other. And it becomes family. And it's like, if I'm not there, I'm missing out on the family. I'm missing out on people who care for me. Because this week I got beat up on. This week just slammed me. This week was terrible at work. I'm dealing with this stuff. I got these problems going on. I got this bill coming in. And I need to go where, where there's a group of people who accept me for who I am and who love me and who help me if I need it. See, this is the problem. I can understand why people's commitment levels are the way they are. It's got to be something so much more, doesn't it? And See, that's the vision that God is looking for. Listen, when people say they don't want to go to church, I don't blame them. Because if their view of Christianity is just a service, there's a problem. There's something so much more. And the reality is, is church is, is something so much more. That's what the whole concept of fellowship is about. But see, here's what it is. 
It's committed to meeting together. It's committed to getting together. It's committed to being with each other. Not just for a service, but because I'm there with my brothers and sisters in Jesus. And I know that they love me and accept me. The world may dump on me during the week. And believe me, it will. But it's a place where I can go and know I'll be understood. Know I'll be loved. And a place where people will meet my needs as I meet theirs. See, that's what he's calling us for. And, and, and that, you know, that's, that's the issue, isn't it? We've got to be real. And then there be, will be the commitment to meet. And see, their fellowship was expressed in a commitment to meet together. Let me ask you a question. If something better came up today, would you be here? Don't answer it. But it's something to think about. So here's the other thing. It's a commitment to meet together. Now here's why the reason why they got to meet together. Here's why. Because here's what he's saying. It is a place of encouragement in these last days. How many of you had a rough week this week? Be honest. Only a few of you? Oh, wow. Most of us, I've had a rough week. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you have maybe had a breather week. How about the week before? All right. Life will beat up on you, won't it? Something will come in the mail that you weren't expecting, a bill that just happened to appear. They don't just happen to appear, but you didn't know it was coming. Maybe you're told there's a health issue. Maybe you're being told that maybe your company is going to lay you off. Maybe the boss is putting more stress on you. Maybe there's stress at home. Maybe there are issues that you didn't think were going to happen at home that have. And life will beat up on you, will it not? Can I get some nodding of heads? Yes. You don't want to go somewhere else where you're going to get beat up on, do you? You don't want to go somewhere else where there's no encouragement. And I'm not just talking about a message. You want to go somewhere where you can get together with people and know that the reason why you're getting together with them is so that you can encourage each other. See, that's what the purpose of church is. The purpose of church is to be an intimate community centered upon Jesus Christ where we our understanding of each other, where we express love towards each other, where we do things to benefit each other, where we're committed to being together, so that we can what? Encourage one another because we're going to get beat up on. And I don't think, it's a, I don't think it is just arbitrary that he said, in these last days. Because, my friends, as we live in these last days, times are going to get tough. Times are going to get rougher. And you need to be encouraged. Listen, it's not an option to not meet together because you need each other. And listen, for people who arbitrarily think that they don't need to meet here, that tells you where they're at. Listen, how's your commitment to the church? How's your commitment? You say, what do you mean, George? How's your commitment? Is it about you? Is your coming to church about you? Listen, if it's about you, you are going to be sorely disappointed. If it's about you, it's going to be reflected in your commitment level where, you know what, I don't think I need to do that this week and I'll just do something else. Catch a curve game or or do this or do that. How's your commitment level? What is your commitment level? And when I talk about the church, I am not talking about the, the incorporated organization called Kerwinsville Christian Church. That's not the issue. I'm talking about your commitment level towards each other, the church. It's to the people. How's your commitment to the people? 
How's your commitment level to the church? Because when we talk about church, we're talking about people, aren't we? How's your commitment level to the people? How is it? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.